Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We bless your holy name, Father, that things might be topsy-turvy, confusing, challenging, difficult, but we have you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we have your word, and we take comfort in your word, encouragement from your word. Your word directs our footsteps, and let it do that and more. This morning, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, on the 27th of December, we, uh, we spoke about uh, killing the monsters before they kill your dreams. And it centered around Moses and around how, because Moses hadn't dealt with certain things, they finally caught up with him and in a sense, stopped him from fulfilling his life ambition of leading the children of Israel into the prom promised land. Numbers 20 verse 12, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore, this was, this was the judgment, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. The psalmist records it in Psalms 106, verses 32 and 33. Your people also provoked you to wrath at the stream called Strife. This is where Moses got into serious trouble because the people were rebellious against you. Moses exploded in anger and spoke to them out of his bitterness. Now, you know what happened. We, we shared it on the 27th. Um, God told, as the children of Israel grumbled and complained and murmured again, God told Moses to speak to the rock. In anger, Moses struck the rock, not once, but twice, and then spoke in a very bitter way to the people, um, in a sense equating himself with God, as he said, do we, God, referring to God and himself, have to do what you want and bring water out of this rock? And that really terminated what was Moses' life ambition. Um, and we, we, we said that we have to be careful so that this is not anyone's story or testimony. And then we said that the writer of Hebrews um, sheds more light uh, on, on exactly what happened. Hebrews 12 verse 1, um, the Bible says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, a race that is set before us. Moses' race um, started when he was born and should have ended sometime after he had taken them into the promised land. That was the race that was set before him. You and I have a race that is set before us. All the days of our lives are written in a book. God is the author of that book. The enemy wants to make sure that you don't get to the last chapter. But I pray that by God's grace, you will get to the last chapter. You will run your race and finish strong. 
Um, the Passion Translation of that scripture says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. Every one of us has a path marked out before us. I have a path marked out before, before me. You have a path marked out by God. Uh, before you. That's what God wants you to fulfill um, here on earth. But then, as, that, as the Bible says, there are two challenges. Number one, uh, the weight, uh, or as the Passion puts it very clearly, the wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. So today, we want to look at the wound that has pierced us. Now, these are wounds that are caused by life's circumstances and experiences. Um, when these wounds don't heal, they become weights that can slow us down or worse, bring our race to an end prematurely. And you can think of a gamut of life circumstances that can cause wounds, you know, uh, rejection while growing up, rejection in a relationship. The challenges may be of growing up in a highly dysfunctional family. Things like a divorce can cause a wound in the heart of those who are divorcing and, and, and usually causes wounds in the hearts of children who are involved. The loss of a loved one. Uh, financial problems, the collapse of a business, or just growing up in an environment that, where there was lack in a financial sense, a betrayal maybe, maybe constantly being the butt of cruel, of cruel jokes or gossip, loneliness. I mean, the list is frankly endless. Any of life's circumstances or experiences uh, may be something as terrible as having, uh, having been abused um, physically maybe, sexually maybe, mentally maybe, psychologically. All these things uh, have a way of causing wounds in our hearts. The Bible calls it the wounds that pierce us. Uh, uh, and and then these things often lead to negative emotions, um, anger, insecurity, jealousy, envy, guilt, sadness, melancholy, anxiety, um, being unnecessarily and in an unhealthy way secretive and not trusting anyone. The list is endless. And we have an adversary that has a well-oiled machinery that wants to take advantage and is often the instigator of the circumstances and the experiences and wants to take advantage of the wounds that are caused by somehow infiltrating our space and our atmosphere and using the negative emotions as a foothold to take hold of a part of our lives and end up oppressing and suppressing us. These bodiless persons, these evil spirits, these demons, uh, are on assignment to take advantage of the wounds in the same way that vultures circle when they realize an, an animal is about to die because they feed on the carcass. It's the same way that these these bodiless persons, these spirits. And Jesus has a lot to say about them. It's amazing that you can, the church today chooses to ignore 
a significant part of Jesus' ministry. Jesus' first ministry uh, was to deal with some bodiless persons. And it's amazing that the church chooses to ignore uh, what is really real. And they're there, we might not see them, but they're there instigated by their leader, Satan, to try and take advantage of some of these life circumstances that have caused wounds. They're attracted to those wounds and hoping to get a foothold where they can oppress even a Christian. Now, of course, I don't believe a Christian can be possessed by these bodiless persons because by the time we become born again, the Spirit of God possesses us. The Spirit of God is put in us and the Spirit of God won't cohabit with any of these bodiless persons. But I believe that they can get a foothold in certain parts of our lives and get comfortable in those areas and they can oppress us. So what do we do to deal with these wounds that are caused by these circumstances, these experiences? I want to bring, I want to use as an example um, a Bible character that I love and that you know very well, Joseph. Genesis, the 49th chapter. In that chapter, Jacob is old. He's about to depart the earth. And he gathers his children, musters his strength one last time and begins to make prophetic pronouncements, part of it prophetically seeing the future, part of it relating to the child who was before him. Uh, and he makes these pronouncements about each one of his children. He comes to Joseph in verse 22. And this is what he says about Joseph. He says, Joseph is a fruitful bull, a fruitful bull by a well, spring or fountain, whose branches run over the wall. Skilled archers have bitterly attacked and sorely worried him. They have shot at him and persecuted him, but his bow remains, remains strong and steady and rested in the strength that does not fail him. For the arms of his hands were made strong and active by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. Now what can we learn from that with regards to dealing with the wounds? Well, a, a couple of things. Number one, we understand that there was a wall that was before Joseph. It was supposed to stop Joseph from progressing. It was supposed to restrain him, constrain him, prevent him from reaching where he should reach. And we have to deal with this wall as a result of wounds in our hearts. Sometimes it's a mental wall, a mental a mindset that tells us we can't, we shouldn't, we're not, that somehow seeks to restrict us, prevent us from fully becoming who God has destined us to become. It's the, it's the battle in the mind that is, has as its, as its springboard a wound 
that we have suffered. You see, if someone has suffered rejection from someone who should love them, they are going to have a mental wall that they will have to overcome. If someone has, 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 has been betrayed, they are going to have a mental wall that they will have to overcome. If someone has grown up in insecurity, there is a mental wall more likely than not that they will have to overcome. So we have that mental wall, that mindset that we must destroy to become fully who God has destined we should become. But then there's also a spiritual wall. That's where we are resisted by spiritual forces, by the bodiless persons I spoke about, where they are standing against us, the organized hierarchy of wickedness that Paul brings before us in the book of Ephesians, uh, and, and the demons that Jesus cast out of so many people, these spirits on assignment, bodiless persons obeying the instruction of their master to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They try to resist us, to put a spiritual wall before us that contains us. We have to get over that wall. If you look at the picture of, that's painted of Joseph, his branches run, ran over the wall. Our own branches must run over that wall. We must overcome whatever constraint or restraint the enemy is trying to put in our way as a result of the wounds that we have suffered. Number two, the archers shot, the scriptures say, skilled archers, and they wounded him. They attacked him bitterly, the Bible says, and they sorely worried. One translation says they grieved him. Now to deal with these wounds, because if the archers are shooting, and you know when the Bible talks about archers, you get a picture. These are not people who want to come close to you. These are people who hide. Uh, these are people who try to hit you from afar. These are people who try to take you by surprise. And isn't that exactly how the enemy tries to work? But then, we must acknowledge that we have been shot and wounded. We can't live in denial. We can't pretend like those wounds are not there. We can't pretend that there isn't an issue. The enemy loves us to live in that denial, not to acknowledge that there's an issue, there's a wound in our hearts, that we are bleeding in our hearts. He loves us to pretend, to put, out, put, up, put on a facade and to pretend. He loves us to dress gaily and, 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 and focus on the externals and not look into the inner, inner being, into that deep, that place deep in us and realize that there are wounds. We must acknowledge that we have been hit by the arrow and there are wounds. The arrows are the circumstances. You usually had not, a lot of times have nothing to do with you. It's just what happened to you on the way. An experience that sometimes is totally outside you. It is as a result of other people. But you must acknowledge that what they have done, the betrayal, the gossip, um, the daggers, the, the words that were spoken, you must acknowledge before God that there is a wound in my heart. The third thing that helped Joseph was that he was by a well 
a spring or fountain. And this refers, if I use it as a metaphor, to our relationship with God, that we are, we are in a relationship with Him. If, we are, if, if, he, if, we, if He abides in us, His words abide in us, then we know that the sap from Him will flow through us. And that sap, that juice, which really is symbolic of the Spirit of God, that, that the Bible describes in John the 15th chapter, will come with healing with it. Healing that will go into the depths of our beings and start to heal the wounds. He still is the balm in Gilead. We must make sure that we are planted by that well, that spring or that fountain. And that picture of the spring or the fountain is so graphic. It's refreshing. It has healing in it. It cleanses. The psalmist puts it like this in Psalms 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, his delight, is in the law of the Lord. He loves the Bible. He loves the Word of God. And in this law, he meditates day and night. He loves it. He reads it. He studies it. He meditates on it. And then, because he does that, because firstly, he's not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. He's not listening and, 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 and luxuriating in ungodly advice. Conspiracy theories all over the place that have nothing to do with God. He's not standing in the path of sinners. Just, just, just hanging out there. And enjoying their sin, being a part of it with, and convincing yourself that, well, I'm not actually doing it, but, but hanging around with no intent. And he's not sitting in the seat of the scornful. You know, there are some places you shouldn't be. There are some places you just shouldn't be. Shola and I were watching a movie with um, some people who are very close to us um, before this whole thing. Um, we got into this total lockdown. Um, and the movie got to a point where the character, one of, one of, the, um, one of the actors, uh, part of his role was to blaspheme against God, swear against God, denigrate God. He was acting. I know he was acting. But it got to a point that Shola and I just got up and thought, can't take this. To sit there and watch that movie would be to sit in the seat of the scornful. Because he was acting, yes, but words are powerful. You can't denigrate God like that, even acting, and expect that I will sit there and watch it. No, that is sitting in the seat of the scornful. And it has its consequences. He says he meditates on it day and night. Then he then shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Why do all those things happen? Because he's planted by that wellspring. 
and watered by that wellspring. It's his relationship with God. Number four, this is all about dealing with the wounds. Joseph forgave. Most times, as a result of these circumstances that we have dis described, there's often someone who, in a sense, or some people, who, in a sense, are responsible. In Joseph's case, it was his brothers. They had conspired to murder him. They had been envious and jealous of him. They had treated him harshly. And they had eventually thought they had terminated his destiny by selling him into slavery. And when he got to Egypt, there were more people. There was Potiphar's wife who got him in, into jail just simply because he wouldn't sleep with her, accused him wrongly. There was Potiphar who believed his wife. He had served Potiphar. There was the king's official who was at one time on the same level with him. But then when he was released, Joseph pleaded with him to remember him and the man got out and completely forgot him. There were enough people for Joseph to hold grudges against. But Joseph chose to forgive them. Joseph understood what some of us don't understand, that you can't hold something against someone and expect God to forgive you. The Bible is clear about that. Not to talk about the process of healing the wounds that are in us. So I want to say, my sister, forgive him. Let him go. He wronged you. He abused you. He treated you badly. I agree with you. And anybody who sees the facts will agree with you. But for your own sake, forgive him. Receive the grace from God to forgive him or forgive her or forgive them. Listen to Joseph, Genesis 50, verses 19 to 21. Joseph said to them, this is his brothers, because by now they've realized who he is. He's, he's the main man in town. He's the prime minister, <laughs> the brother that they sold uh, for some measly amount of money, has become the prime minister of the superpower in those days. And so, of course, they're afraid that he's going, to get, that he's going to get retribution against them. He's going to deal with them. Joseph said to them, Genesis 50, the 50th chapter, 19 to 20, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? It's a good question to ask. Is God, vengeance is the Lord's. Joseph says, am I in the place of God? I'm not God. God is in absolute control. God was in heaven when those life circumstances happened. He was still God. He hadn't lost control once. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And I want to declare to you that they might have meant evil against you. The enemy might have tried to use it to stop you. But I declare to you that God is going to use it to work out something that will glorify his name for your good. 
He says, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Joseph says, you thought you were getting rid of me. You didn't realize that God was using you to, con to, to encourage me on my life journey so that I can be in a position to save an entire nation. And that's what he did, save the entire nation. Not just the nation of Egypt, but his own people from Israel who came and then he gave them this beautiful place called Goshen for them to exist. Joseph says God had a plan. I want you to know that in the midst of those life circumstances, the painful divorce, the painful separation, the, 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 the children who, who, who went astray, uh, the life circumstances that happened, the financial insecurity growing up, whatever it was, the abuse, it doesn't matter what it is. In the midst of all those things, God was still God. God is going to use it to work out his own plans. It will be for your good. His name will be glorified in it and people will be blessed as a result. He says, now therefore, Joseph says to them, do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. Isn't that so gracious? That's okay. You, you, you meant to get rid of me, but now I will provide for you. You won't starve because I'm prime minister and I can order that you be taken care of. And then he comfort, comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What a gracious human being. Is it any wonder that God favored him? Number five. The Bible says concerning Joseph, but his bow remained strong and steady and rested in the strength that does not fail him. He rested in the strength that does not fail him. Now, if we are going to have the wounds healed, we must learn to rest in the strength that does not fail us. It paints the picture, resting in the strength, abiding in him, uh, entering into a deeper relationship in him, finding a place of rest. And that place of rest comes from an assurance that the work is finished. You don't have to do any work in terms of trying to do the work to heal the wounds. You just have to access what has been done. Rest in the strength of him who cannot fail you. The price for your wound has already been paid. You just have to access it. And of course, sometimes it doesn't happen overnight, as we will find out. There is a part that you have to play. But you're not playing that part because you have to try to make it happen. It's already happened on a hill far away, on an old rugged cross. It was already done. You, the price for your healing, the price for those wounds to be healed has already been paid. Learn to rest in it. The Bible says in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, verses 4 and 5, Surely he has borne our griefs. And I love the Amplified Classic because it says our sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. Sometimes we think that scripture applies only to physical sickness. But that, the Bible makes clear that it includes the weaknesses, the, the things that have come that have weakened us as a result of life, life's experiences. And our distresses, uh, that that is so similar to what was say, said about Joseph, how he was, as the archer shot at him, he was sorely grieved, sorely worried, sorely distressed. He says, well, Jesus, surely it is settled, has borne it. 
He has taken on those weaknesses, those distresses. He has carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. He has taken it on himself. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Now, they did, but we don't. We don't ignorantly consider him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. We are so grateful that he chose to allow himself to be stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. Sometimes we open the door. Our mistakes open the door. And the enemy wants to accuse us that these wounds are a result of your mistake. Well, you can say he has been wounded for my transgression, so I don't have to be wounded again. He has taken on the wound so that I can be healed. My mistakes, yes, open the door. Yes, I caused it. My actions, yes. My anger, maybe, or whatever other negative emotion I allowed to fester in me. But then he has been wounded for that transgression. He has been bruised for our guilt and iniquities. Yes, I'm guilty. Yes, I have a part to play. Yes, I, 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 I sinned. I opened the door. But then somebody else has paid the price. He has been bruised for it. I don't have to be bruised in my heart. He has been wounded for us. I don't have to be wounded. He has been wounded for it. I don't have to be wounded. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. He was chastised. It was put upon him. The wrath of God that should have brought judgment and, 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 and all that comes with judgment upon us, certainly not peace and certainly not our well-being. That was what we deserved. It was our, the consequences of our own actions. But it was put upon him. And so you and I can receive peace and well-being. Well-being in our souls. Our wounds healed because of Jesus. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. I declare this scripture over your life as I declare that today that healing grace is released into your life. Those wounds are healed in the name of Jesus. I declare you are made whole. I declare that you start that journey today to wholeness in the name of Jesus. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 11 verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will give you rest. I will ease and re relieve and refresh your souls. Where do we go for our souls to be eased of the, of the pain of the wounds? Where do we go for our souls to be relieved of, 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 the, of the pain and the weight of the wounds? Where do we go so our souls are refreshed? He says, come to me and to him we must go. You see, the challenge is that we don't fully appreciate or understand the power of the cross. It is the solution to life's issues. Number six. For the arms, the Bible says in, in Genesis 49, for the arms of his hands were made strong and active by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. 
the arms of his hand were made strong by the hands of God. Now, what that tells us is that his arms were made strong because his arms needed to do something. You see, we need to play a part in this healing process, in this, in this healing of the wounds in our hearts. Of course, the first thing is, as we mentioned, not going into denial, but ad admitting. I mean, we can fool every person, but please, let's not, let's not get into the foolishness of trying to fool God who sees into the heart anyway. Before God, we can be naked and open. But there are certain things we have to do. Now, what do we have to do to facilitate this process, to play our part in this process? There are a couple of things, and I want to say them very quickly. Number one, of course, is prayer. We engage in prayer, in communion with God, uh, in that crucible uh, of prayer. We are talking to him. He's downloading things into us. He's guiding us on the journey of how we get to the point of wholeness in our, in, our, in, our, in our inner self. And we do that in the place of prayer. We also engage in the place of prayer in establishing the word of God. That is spiritual warfare. The word of God, the sword of the spirit, the, our offensive weapon, which is the word of God. And when we are trying to dislodge bodiless persons, we pray those prayers, and sometimes those prayers are prayers of deliverance that are necessary. Now, not deliverance because um, they, have, they have taken over your life, but it's, it's, it's deliverance because they are oppressing you in some area. They are comfortable. They have a foothold, and they are illegal and must be ejected. And we eject them in prayer as the Spirit of God leads us. We download the, uh, the mystery of our lives in the place of prayer. That's the beauty of praying in the Spirit and asking God for an interpretation in your own mind as you download the mystery of your life. Unlock certain things. So number one is prayer. Number two, the, the things that we do, our hands are made strong by, is the Word. And of course, that we've already mentioned that. The importance of the word. It is the sword of the spirit. It's an offensive weapon, this word of God. It is what brings healing to our hearts, to, our, to the wounds in our hearts, the word of God. It's, it is alive. It goes deep into our hearts and, and massages and, and, and takes away uh, the, the wound and cleanses the wound, brings healing to the wound. And believe me, it can take away even the scars. So much so that you, you look at the spot and you can't tell there was a wound. To not be in the word of God at a time like this, where else do we find our safety? It's in the word of God. We are reading it. We are studying it. We are meditating on it. The psalmist in, in the first psalm that we read said, meditate on it day and night. And then we are speaking it. We are confessing it. We are declaring it. We are declaring that our bodies must line up with the mind of the creator as expressed in his word. So when you have an area that you know you have a wound in, you search the word for the word of God that applies to that area. And then you create your own confession. You read it. You ask the Spirit of God to amplify it in your mind. It is like medicine, Solomon said to his son. It's like medicine to us, healing to our bones, healing to our bodies, the word of God. Number three, because all this is instigated and directed by the Holy Spirit, 
It goes without saying that fellowship with the Holy Spirit is so critical. The deeper we are in fellowship, the more is revealed to us. The more the curtain is pulled back to show us deep truths and, and secrets that are hidden from those who haven't pressed in to that level of fellowship. So we, we create time for the Holy Spirit. We spend quality time with him. We wait on him. We let him know that his priority. We are constantly talking with him. He is a person. And we can build that level of relationship with him. And of course, number four, um, in terms of our hands being strong, we constantly create an environment for that healing to take place. You know, of course, worship plays a major part in that um, being careful what we say plays a major part in that. Living right plays a major part in that. You see, all those things create an atmosphere for healing of the wounds. And you, once you carry that atmosphere around, you are being healed even when you don't know that you are being healed. And number seven, as I end. I want to end on this note as I bring you back to the word that God gave us as we crossed over into 2021. In the midst of all that is happening, God gave us a clear word. And that word is really simple. God has a plan for you. And it is a good plan. I said God has a plan for you. And it is a good plan. So that plan must include wholeness and healing of the wounds that have pierced us. As he pronounced the blessing on Joseph, he went on to say this about him. Genesis 49 verse 26. The blessings of your father on you are greater than the blessings of my forefathers Abraham and Isaac on me. That's a heavy statement to make because Jacob was blessed and the blessings of Abraham and Isaac had come upon him. But Jacob said, what you are about to receive is more than what Abraham and Isaac gave me in terms of blessing and are as lasting as the bounties of the eternal hills. They, they will last forever. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was the consecrated one and the one separated from his brethren and the one who is prince among them. It's easy to read that and miss the, what I feel is the most important thing. What is it that made this blessing, that attracted this blessing to Joseph? What is it that multiplied the blessings that Abraham and Isaac had put on Jacob and added more to it and, put, and, what, and, and caused it to be put on Joseph. It is because Joseph chose to be the consecrated one. He chose to dedicate himself to God, set himself apart to God. The Bible says he separated himself from his brethren. I want to say to you, my brother and my sister, that it is the consecrated one, the ones who choose to live for God, the ones who will turn their back on things that others might think is okay, but because of God, because of the love of God in your heart, you choose to give your all to God. The ones who will shun evil, 
The ones who will be obedient by God's grace, receive the grace to be obedient to the word of God. The ones who are grieved by sin. The ones who won't conform to the world. The ones who will love God with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength, all their minds. The ones who are not afraid for people to know that they have been set apart for God. The ones who are consecrated, dedicated to him. The blessing pursued Joseph because of his consecration to God. And as you consecrate yourself to God, as you devote yourself to God, give yourself to God, as God becomes the priority in your life, everything else around, arranged around him, I can declare to you that the word God gave us will bear fruit in your life. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. He's thinking of you now. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. It might be uncertain out there, but I declare to you, you have a future and a hope. There might be fear out, out there, but the peace of God garrisons your heart. Others might have all kinds of thoughts towards you, but I declare that God's thoughts supersede all those thoughts and God's thoughts towards you are good and not of evil. May evil not come anywhere near you or your dwelling because God's thoughts towards you will be your protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you and we bless you. Now, of course, this word is for you to amplify We've, we've, we've tried to share it in the time that we have. We would need a lot more time for it to be amplified, but the Spirit of God will help you amplify it, take it and, and break it down and apply it practically to your life as you deal with the wound that might have pierced you. Um, next week, we will deal with the sin that so easily ensnares um, the wounds we've dealt with today, we, we, we talked about Moses' wounds. We'll talk about the sin that so easily ensnares next week. And if you are watching and you don't have that deep fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that was a, a, a significant part of this message. You haven't experienced the, 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 your, the benefits of what happened at the cross of Calvary. You don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's not in your corner. He's not on the boat of your life. Uh, he's not the captain of your life uh, because you don't have a relationship with him. I'm not talking about a religious relationship. I'm talking about a real, dynamic, life-giving, fulfilling relationship with, with, with the person called Jesus, with the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit to guide you in life. I can't imagine how anybody would face the uncertainty and the confusion and the fear that is, that, is, that is out there, the anxiety, without being able to hide in Jesus. Well, you get a chance to do so by just receiving him into your life. And all you have to do is just believe the words and speak them, confess them. And that just opens up the door into your heart and he comes in. And so if you want to do that, well, I would love to pray with you as you do that. Would you say this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I thank you 
for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Today, I receive him into my life as my Lord and Savior. I commit today to turning away from anything that I am doing that is not pleasing to you. I dedicate myself to you, Heavenly Father, to obey you and to serve you. I receive your Son, Jesus, and I thank you for him into my life. I thank you for receiving me into your family. Today, I declare that I am now born again into your family. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's as simple as that. Welcome to the family of God. You have been born again, which means that, of course, you were born naturally. That's your birthday. But today is your second birthday because on this day, the 10th of January 2021, you were born again, born spiritually into God's family. Congratulations. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. Let's look forward to uh, next week, um, Sunday, when we shall look at how to deal with this sin that does so easily traps us and ensnares us. God bless you. May God keep you. May God keep you safe. May God hide you under his shadow. May God protect you. May the Spirit of God be a shield around you and around your loved ones in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Father, we pray, O oh God, that you will have mercy on this nation and you will have mercy on the nations of the world. And Father, we ask in the name of Jesus as we stand in the gap, O oh God, that you will bring this pandemic to an end, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.